Hello. Good morning. Good morning, Dan. How are you? I am doing quite well. <sighs> How about you? How's everything? How's it going? All right. I had um, having a having a, a uh, iced coffee. But these things are good. It's warm out there in San Francisco. Sure. You uh, you get these from the Whole Foods, and it's ten point six six fluid ounces of blue bottle coffee, New Orleans iced coffee. Oh wow! And it's, you know, like like a little thing your kid would drink milk out of. You know, like a little thing. Are you supposed to dilute it with regular water, or do you drink it just as it comes? I think you're just supposed to drink it. Okay. I mean, you could you could do lots of stuff with it. You could do some coffee hacks. <laughs> you could recold brew it. Yeah. You could uh, make a civet drink it. You ever make a civet drink of coffee? No, never. Have. See, a lot of people just know the first part. You say, you know what? You poop that. You eat it. You you eat that now. Hey, it's a good morning in San Francisco. Um, dry, cool, humid, warm. Yeah, it's weird. It's been warm this summer. Very warm and unusually sunny. I think the uh, I think the climate change is happening. Everything is a little bit weird. Everything's a little bit weird. I don't know what to make of it, and it it worries me. And it's, I, it's supposed to be depressingly foggy in our neighborhood through almost the whole summer, and it has not been depressingly foggy, which is kind of scary. Bill Maher keeps saying on his show that the Earth is dying, and it, I don't like when he says that. It bothers me. And it Everything's me. dying, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> Planets that aren't busy being born are busy dying. You got to get What's busy it? living or get busy dying. That's right. This is going to be one for the books. One, one, for, the, <laughs> one for the classic. The Hall of Classics. Yes. It takes me a while to warm up a little. It's it's early here. It's very very. Early. You start texting me early. It's early, and and I'm I'm still waking up. It's not 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 to blame you, but you okay. know. Well, I mean, I don't. I feel you like. I, well, before yeah. the show, I kind of like to to throw ideas out, spitball, and mm-hmm. then I, I always worry because I know that you're two hours ahead of me. That if I send a text and it's too early that it might wake you up. But then I'm like, no, he's got do not disturb. He's got a life hack. He knows what's going on, right? I'm not in his VIP favorites anyway. So, okay. Um, you I know do, what I, I mean? Do, you know that list? Why are you being like this? Well, you're, you're being very, you're being very sensitive. Well, no, here's the problem that you, I have. You were sensitive when you texted me too. You're, you're, you're saying, here's an idea. And then you gave me like, like five lines. I'm sitting in the bathroom and you're <laughs> answering all these texts from you about how you know you don't want to do the topic you mentioned. <laughs> Well, it's a good topic, but on the well, favorites, bathroom too. <laughs> on the favorites, did you know that if you put people on your favorites, that you're actually adding them to your VIP list, and that if those people text you, that they will get through your do not disturb, and the text will go. Th- I did not know that. Yeah. So the place I order my Chinese food from, if they, <laughs> if they butt dial me at three in the morning, yeah. Wow. Yeah, um, it's not good. I have do not disturb. I actually have it go on pretty early. I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's it's funny because it's it, it, like nobody ever calls me on the phone until I'm on the phone with somebody else. I know this is an availability heuristic, but it only seems like my phone starts beeping like a, like a like a crazy machine whenever I'm on the phone with somebody. I'm like, hang on a minute, I just, uh, the phone's beeping at me, and and then at night, like when I'm whenever I'm like the second that I'm out somewhere with my daughter in traffic, everyone starts texting me. It's really weird. But it, it, I have my do not disturb start at like eight thirty or nine p.m. And I have it go till seven or so. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and the other thing I've done is I've, I, <laughs> I started customizing for the first time since, I mean, you know, when you very first get a phone, you do lots of like, oh, I'm going to make this person's picture of this and have them have a ringtone. And I started adding uh, custom dingers to different people and that helps a little bit. 
So you hear you hear a different ring or a different sound if it's a a different person than I changed my default text sound to that one that goes um dun dun dun. Uh-huh. It's a really pretty one. You know what my daughter's favorite is by the seaside. You oh. know by the seaside. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull this thing up. It, it helps it, it, in order to really get the effect. It helps to first play some other ringtones that go like beep 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 or like zero zero or whatever, and then play by the seaside. All right. So here is the <clears throat> default. Mm-hmm. Did you that's hear? Nice. That's just the yeah. tone. Mm-hmm. I have been using one called bamboo. Oh yeah. Which no, that's it. That's that's nice. That's nice. Yeah, the little bamboo one. And you're saying sea, seaside? Is that under? Is that a ringtone or it is might it an be alert? A ringtone. Tone? Okay, hold on. An alert. Let's look. For, you'll see it. It's it's real long by the seaside. Looking for it. There it is. Okay, so you say play another one first, and then play by the seaside. Yeah, so I will, just for context. Here's chimes. Everyone has that. Now here's by the seaside. <laughs> <laughs> She likes that one. Oh no, it keeps going. It gets real long. Yeah. She has this little kind of uh, Harpo Marx routine she does when that comes on. <laughs> also, somebody made a, uh, one of our favorite YouTube videos because we're, we're, we're simple people. I'll put this in show notes. Somebody um, took the By the Seaside ringtone and made a looping video of a piece of toast walking on a sidewalk for, for nine minutes and 30 seconds. Oh my God. And it's, it's one of those things. It's kind of, uh, kind of hypnotic when you start watching. <laughs> he's really cute. And then we'll sit there and we'll go like, wonder where he's going. You think he's going to meet a friend? What's he doing? He's a piece of toast. He's got, he's got big, big white eyes and he's just walking down the uh, sidewalk. <laughs> and so when I'm away from home, I use that as my alarm sound. And it reminds me of my daughter. Who does not like homework? Oh, they, she's already got it. Oh boy, does she got it? Oh no, we can't talk about this. No. Oh my goodness. Um, what uh, we got a lot of. Uh, how you doing, Danielle? Right? Yes, you got, you got a lot to talk about today. Sure. Are you going to talk about your condition? I can talk about. I can talk about that. We could talk about the amazing feedback we've been getting, which is my it seems goodness, like we've gotten it's... so much. We're getting so much. We're getting more email from people, and we're getting way more email from companies. Yes, I guess. It continues. <laughs> <laughs> did you get the one with the drinking guy? Yeah, I did. That one started out seeming like a really nice email. From I a know, listener. I know. Let me find that one. Yeah, it was so interesting. Now don't read it. But did you get the one addressed to Dean? <laughs> and was one addressed to Dean? I, I don't think see you. that one in here. Oh yeah, about how much they enjoy the show and would like to be a guest. Oh well, yeah, there it is. Yep. Um, we got, uh, we'll talk a little bit about driving your car without the key. I want to talk about my, uh, OTA antenna experience oh. in brief, okay. which is not what it, you know, there's one weird trick. It's not what you think. All right. Mm-hmm, but we'll start wherever you want. <laughs> I, me, I want to start with the, uh, with the antenna thing. And I would, I, because I have a fo- some follow up I have done to address the situation that many people have of wanting to switch, but not being sure how to record. So I have some a follow-up with oh, that too. Okay, excellent. Well, this is this is kind of, uh, I don't know if this is strictly a back-to-work topic, but I think it's interesting. I have a back-to-work angle on it. All right. But um, last time we talked, you you, you talked about this uh, Leaf 50-mile yeah. antenna. Um, I, I Amazoned it the next day. And uh, I was 
pretty, given where we live, see, San Francisco is really weird. Like, if you ever see, like, there's the iconic images of San Francisco, like the Golden Gate Bridge or a pile of poop, but there, you also see this thing called Sutro Tower, which is this thing that looks like a kind of a, a skinny mecha robot on top of a, a mountain. And that's this really ugly, but now kind of beloved antenna that they put up on top of Twin Peaks in, I think, the 70s or 80s, because people west of Twin Peaks, where I live, like, just couldn't get TV and radio. There's, 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 Two big boob-shaped mountains in the middle of San Francisco. Um, most people will consider it the far west part of San Francisco, but it's actually right next to the Castro. And uh, and it was hard for, I think the main problem was it was hard for signals to get around Twin Peaks. And so they put up this antenna. So I, I you know, we it's real spotty what we get. We don't get like radio stations from Western Edition. Like we don't, there's stuff that like, it's just hard for us to get. So I, I installed it and I was, uh, I'll let you go here, but I was pretty amazed with, First of all, how skinny the thing is. It's like a, it really is almost like a piece of cardstock. Right. It's, no, exactly. That's not, not paper thin, but it's cardstock thin. And, uh, and I just plugged it in and let it rip. And I'll, I'll tell you about my results after you tell me more. But I was pretty amazed with how well it worked. Yes, I was amazed too. And it's funny because when I tweet about this, I always get uh, a lot of people who are saying, I've been wanting to do this too. Please tell me more. Please tell me about your experience and, and what antenna did you get and where did you connect it? And is it behind your TV? Is it on a window? And then there's other people who are sort of chiming in and be like, yeah, welcome to everything I've been doing for the last eight years. Uh, it's a big, it's, it's a bigger hobbyist culture than I realized. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know what I mean? It's, it, it is not quite a ham radio level, <laughs> but like there are people who are very dedicated to getting the best possible over the air signal. I think there's a lot of uh, interest in that. There really is. Here in Austin, it's uh, I don't know if it's quite as famous outside of Austin as like Twin Peaks is famous, but we have also a, a large hill over in the Westlake area, which has these big uh, towers. And I think I mentioned last time we talked about this, I was never sure what they were, but it turns out they are the TV broadcast towers. So I have relatively close proximity. I think I think it's as as a crow flies about eight or nine miles away from that. So I wasn't, I was expecting to get good signal and I do. And it is a preseason NFL right now. So this was a really neat chance for me to say, all right, let me look at what these games actually look like. Cause everyone kept telling me, wait until you see the over the air, high definition, uncompressed sports signal. They were touting that as being like amazing. And it, it really is. It's great. My wife, of course, immediately was like, Oh, we don't get a guide. We don't get a guide. And I said, no, there's, there is no guide. It's like when we were kids, you just flip through channels to see what's on and watch you, what you, you want to watch. If, if it provides it on mine anyway, if it's provided by the station, you can hit, in my case, like the, the info or guide button. You don't get a channel guide on mine, but you do get like what, what's playing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, down, we, down to the show. That was not an, in, apparently that was not enough. And I, I was sitting there and I was thinking back and I'm like, you know what? I have an old, TiVo, an HD TiVo that right. I got a lifetime subscription for back probably four or five years ago. And I found it in the closet and I plugged it in to the antenna and switched its mode around so it would use the antenna. And it went and it found the channels and it, it, it two, two or three hours later downloaded, finished downloading information from TiVo or wherever it gets it from. And we now have a guide. But, and we can record shows too. However, it, the highest resolution that TiVo offers is you can do 1080i or 720p 
Right. And I've read lots of things that say 720p is actually better than 1080i. I, I, I hate to admit this, but I can't really tell the difference. But I know that the TV does 1080p and I was getting 1080p from the antenna. So I, I feel like I might want to go back and just get rid of the, the How TV. How big your TV? The TV that we currently have, I think, is a 50-inch TV. I bet that's on the bubble. Yeah. I've got a... Th- I think it's less than 40. But, I mean, it's pretty big. It feels big to me. But, I mean, unless I'm up real, real close. I mean, look, so I'll notice the difference between a Blu-ray and, like, something through a set-top box. I, I notice the difference. Yeah. I mean, Blu-ray, you really... Like, watching Fantastic Mr. Fox in Blu-ray is kind of amazing. Oh, wow. There's so much detail that you wouldn't otherwise see. But I think up to a... I'm not a pro at this, but I think up to a certain size, 720p is probably kind of better. I feel like you get the progressive versus the right, right, right. Because they say an interlace, you're seeing half and it's doing a fill in thing. And so I've switched to to 720 right now. But I feel like I'm missing out because how valuable is that guide? We're hardly using it. So I'm probably just going to take the TiVo out of the mix. I don't like it. I don't like the interface. It's clunky and clumsy. And what used to be so innovative and so really just pushing the envelope of what you could do on TV now seems antiquated and old and a little pokey. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll probably just be pulling it out of there, but I'm really excited to hear. So do you think you're going to stick with it? Well, that's the funny part of it. The, my observations are, first of all, you know, I was kind of amazed because I, I just, it was really as simple as you plug the antenna into the coax on right. the back. There's you need power for it, so I'm running power off of the. In this case, you can draw enough power from the TV's USB, right? I think to do it. Yeah, mine mine works that way. Because the Amazon stick, I had to put in a uh, power supply to get all the power. Anyway, in any case, it was pretty amazing because uh, it really was as simple as I thought. Yeah, I just even left it just sitting on the table that the TV is on just at first. And I thought, I'll just go see if this works at all before I put a lot of time into it. And went to the you know channel scan, scan through it. And the f- first time it found like 20 some channels. Right. I was really, I was pretty surprised. And, you know, I think the, the same observation that I've had mostly for years now is that if it gets the signal, it's pretty good. Like it looks, you know, it isn't like the old days where you would have to move the antenna to make it better. It, it's, it appears to be digital in the true sense. We're like, it's either going to be perfect or it's going away. <laughs> so, you know, if you get the signal, it's good. We don't get some of the signals for the stations I really wanted. Like we don't get the Fox station. Um, we get we get tons and tons of Chinese language and Spanish uh, language channels. Yes. We get like crazy. We we do get like uh, KQED. We get like three PBS stations, which is cool. The aspect ratio is really screwed up on some of them. I don't know why. Some of them are just in SD. Um, again, I haven't spent hours with this, but my first observation was this is really cool as a way to like for a one time price be able to get old fashioned TV at surprisingly high quality into the house. So it's good. And my next observation was. Hmm. I mean, mainly because I'm doing this, filling with this mostly in the afternoon and early evening. It's like, oof. <laughs> I really, really don't want to watch almost any of this. Yeah. It was so strange. It's the same feeling I have when I'm in the hotel room and you go through the whole cycle of channels and it's like you're back, then you're back at the hotel information channel and you're like, wow, that was, I just watched all the channels. It's, that was all the channels? That's right. really weird. That's, and then you go back through and it's like, you know, there's a lot of a lot of people yelling at each other and like foreclosure commercials and right. 
I don't know. So, I mean, I, I, I we paid the money for it. I'll probably work on, I eventually got it up to something like 32 channels, mm-hmm. but the Rumor RTV, I think this is relevant. The Rumor RTV is, is on the west side of our house. And I think the signals are almost uniformly coming from the east side of the house. So even putting it in a window didn't make a big difference, but I'll play with it some more. But... <clears throat> But yeah, I guess my only my, my only big observation was first of all, thank you for the tip. If anybody's looking, I mean, this it was, it was like sixty bucks or something. It yeah. wasn't super expensive for what you get, and I mean, you know, it's worth the throw. You know, it's it's worth trying out if you want to do this, um, and especially in our case for like being able to watch the Oscar awards, right? Or if debates, if the presidential debates ever come back to regular TV, mm-hmm. <laughs> watch those. But stuff like that, like if there's you know um, breaking news type stuff, uh, that's nice to have. Um, but you know what it is? My main back to workish observation is I, I really, I think my brain has kind of moved on from this method of watching. Like it really feels like an exception to be somewhere where I like don't have control over what I'm watching. Cause my first thought is like, well, you know, I, I, you'd have to just really sit in the room and watch this while it's on, not just for commercials, but just for like, you're, I feel so like hamstrung to be like just sitting there and surfing around on channels. It's really odd. You can still have appointment viewing, obviously, but you know, it was, it's weird. Cause on the one hand, it was really magical technically to me that this works. And, you know, I haven't had over the air TV since. I haven't had over the TV. I haven't had over the air signal as my way of getting TV since I was in probably high school. That's a strange thing to think about. It's been thirty years since this is the way I got TV, and you know, and obviously in the last fifteen years, just a lot has changed about how I think about consuming media. Do you know what I mean? It really has. Yeah, somewhat analogous to the way people stream now instead of buying albums or something. Like you know, the idea of not being able to watch when I want. It's not. I don't mean to sound like a petulant child, but it just doesn't fit in with either the way I think about media or the way that I would choose to consume media. Which sounds fancy, but you know, we'll definitely stick with it. But like, it was certainly not going to be like the primary way that we do stuff. No, it's weird. It's very weird, and it. I mean, I remember those days of being a kid and there was that time period where we first got cable. So it was this whole new world of channels that had opened up. And I mean, I think we probably had 40 channels instead of eight or 12. And so we had at least, it was four or five times the number of channels. And I remember you know, we didn't have guides up on the screen, right? So we just would flip through all of the channels. And that kind of watching, there was, you know, if you wanted to record something, you got your, your VCR out and you recorded. There is such a huge difference. You know, my son now at, at seven years old, he can use the Roku remote very, very effectively. He knows where, you know, the difference between it's on Plex, it's on Netflix, it's on Hulu. You know, he gets that. And all I am the only person who was actually switching over to cable TV. You know, I was the only person who would, you know, change the source to actually be the cable box in any of the rooms. And that's when it really struck me. Like, I don't really watch it this way. And I almost feel like the, the antenna has, it is there only as a fallback. It's there only as the thing that I want to see is most likely it's live and it's only going to be on one of these, these channels that, you know, bring us these live things. And that for me fits into the category of sports or breaking news. There's almost nothing else 
there. Like you mentioned, there are these strange channels that that show you know, a lot of people. We I seem to see people fishing or their town meetings, you know, where they're they're just showing the the local cable access type channel broadcasts over it and Spanish things. And so really, I just I don't know what I would use it for, except I'm going to watch the Sunday night football game or the Sunday afternoon football game or the Monday right. football game. And that's about it, you know. Uh, but it, it's fascinating to me that I'm sh- I can't be free to broadcast this stuff. Like it has to cost a lot of money to broadcast these over the air, right? I mean, that's not a free thing. Right. Yeah. So I, why are they still like, that was the first thing my wife said. She's well, when are they going to take this away? When are they going to stop just broadcasting? I don't, I don't know. I feel like everything I thought I knew about how the stuff worked <laughs> may not even have been right 30 years ago. <laughs> right. But I frankly, I have no idea what any of it means today. Like I'm looking at the page. I just added, added to show notes, the page for Sutra Tower and I'm looking at like, you know, like Cron, which I guess it's our, our local, God, it's so confusing. I think it used to be NBC and now it's independent. It's owned by My Network TV. I don't know what that is. KMTP, multilingual, independent, Mundo Fox, KCNS, like, oh, we do get the CW, it looks like. But even then, it's like it used to, it used to be much easier to understand when there were fewer channels and there was that kind of oligarchy of a few owners. You knew that if you were watching a show at a certain time, you knew that that was a first run. If this was on at eight o'clock on Channel Five, you knew that that's a first run prime time family hour show on NBC. Like you would know that. And now it's like I don't even know. I don't. Even, I don't even know what's in uh, syndication anymore. Like I flipped on um, the TV one night last week, and I saw The Walking Dead. I didn't know The Walking Dead was in syndication. Hmm. Did you? No. And it was a fantastic episode. Oh my God, it was such a good episode. It's the one where, uh, no spoilers, <laughs> it was a few years ago, but where the governor is killed. And it's, it's an amazing episode. And it was on regular broadcast TV. That's the other benefit in some ways. Like if we're in a hotel room and a movie comes on like TBS or something, I know like certain channels, like it's okay for my kid to watch this because they probably edited it pretty heavily, but Walking Dead's still pretty gross, but I don't know about any of that world anymore. I feel like I woke up one day and it's like, wow, I, I don't know what any of this is anymore. I don't really understand the the media landscape. You know, I under, I feel like I half understand like tiny slices of it, but even that knowledge becomes obviated so quickly if you aren't keeping up with everything that's happening. Oh no, completely. I don't know. I, mean, I just I feel like it's it's this vestige of a bygone era that broadcasting television. Because anytime I bring this up to somebody, the response is either, oh, that's weird, or you can still do that, or why would I do that? It's not like, of course you can still, you know, it's like if I said, oh, you know what, you don't need to bring a CD with you in your car, you don't need to sync Bluetooth to your iPhone, you can just turn the radio on in your car and hear music or hear someone talking, and it would, yeah, of course you can. Well, you can do that with TV too, but no one seems to know it. Right, right. Yeah. And I, I think part of the reason that companies like Comcast or whomever continue to, to dominate like they do is because it is, there are so many different ways to get media into your home right now, but almost all of them require you to become at least a little bit of a hobbyist. Oh, yeah. And one reason it's so frustrating is like with the Apple TV in particular is the Apple TV really feels like it should be pretty bulletproof and you end up having to be, it's one of the very few Apple products today where I feel like you do have to be a hobbyist 
to like just in the sense of having to unplug it and replug it and things like that. But I mean, I think that's the appeal of something like an Xfinity package. I mean, I'm not being sarcastic. Is that you can pay this certain amount and that brings you a phone and cable TV and on-demand stuff <clears throat> and like internet and wireless and all that stuff in one package, which I think is very appealing to people to not have to think about that. You turn on the TV, you use one remote for all of this stuff. And like, you know, when I go to people's homes who have that package, I, I, I see the appeal is that you, you know, you don't have to fill around and move an antenna. I just wonder, I feel like we're building uh, on something that's very unstable ground. And I, I, in a way, I mean, it's only like you said, it's like 60 something bucks, but I still feel like they, they could just take this away at any time and they should, you know, in a way, like no one seems you mean, to like know individual about it. channels might just decide not to broadcast anymore? right can they do that or is there some kind of regulation that makes them do it i don't know mm, why no. would they do it like i wonder i wonder well, because, because the eyeballs for the commercials true but i wonder how many people are really watching like how many people have a tv there's just an antenna on it these days what percentage well, but of they their also watchers? then they also get to package that up with you know cable and stuff like that yeah but they don't are they required like is an NBC affiliate for example required to broadcast over the air or can you just be a cable an NBC oh, affiliate I who, okay yeah, I you know I don't know the answer to that I mean used to I think there used to be a lot more regulation about that stuff you yeah, know like yeah. having to do a certain amount of PSAs and um community broadcasting and stuff like that it's so, like you know you always turn on your TV Sunday mornings and it would be all the like you know uh community related programming right in the, or the middle of the night or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. But I mean, you know, if, if you, it's, it's, I guess there's, like I said, there, there's, the, we talked about this last week. I guess there's sites you can go to that will give you uh, uh, some assistance in figuring out what you're likely to be able to get with these. But it still feels like a little bit of a crapshoot. It's a crapshoot that's worth taking because it's not super expensive. I mean, it's less than what you pay for one month of cable to give it a shot. Oh, but, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and then like stations that are there one day won't be there the next day. Like, I guess the signal's not strong enough that day for some reason, but... Too warm anyway. on, on a day. I think heat, I don't know. <laughs> it's uh, thermodynamics. Yeah. Uh, did you want to talk about something you like? I would love to tell you about our friends over at Wealthfront. It's a low-cost automated investment service that makes it easy to invest your money the right way. They work 24-7 to manage your portfolio, keep it diversified, and all of this is based on your custom risk profile. When you sign up for it, there's like a really, really cool, simple questionnaire that tells them what your comfort levels are. You know, if you're just getting started in, in investing and you're young, maybe you're like, okay, cool. You know what? Yeah, let's go risky. Let's try some some crazy things. Maybe you're closer to retirement. You don't want to do that. That's all part of that profile. And they use that to optimize their trading behavior. But they're also going to do a lot of other things that are going to keep your tax bill low. They're never going to charge you commissions. And it really doesn't matter if you're just starting out or, or if you've got a ton of money and you just want to invest it the right way. They are there to help. And it's really, really a simple service to use. It's right there. It's online. You can get to it whenever you want. And they have been growing like crazy. They have tens of thousands of people now who've already signed up. They're managing over $2.4 billion in client access. So this is in client assets rather. So this is, this is the real deal. And, uh, and they know what they're doing and, and they're really great. And they have set up a special thing for our listeners. If you sign up using the wealthfront.com slash five by five URL, you will get your first $15,000 managed entirely free of charge for life. So in addition to never paying commissions, never paying hidden fees, you also won't pay any management fees. 
to have your first 15K invested. And, uh, and that's more than you could get any other way. So go check them out, wealthfront.com slash five by five. Thank you very much to them for supporting the show. And I have to read this disclaimer. For compliance purposes, I have to tell you that Wealthfront Inc. is an SEC-registered investment advisor. Brokerage services are offered through Wealthfront Brokerage Corporation, member FNRA and SIPC. This is not a solicitation to buy or sell securities. Investing in securities involves risks, and there is the possibility of losing money. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Please visit Wealthfront.com to read our full disclosure. That's it. It makes me sad that America is such a litigious place that if we don't say that, like they could get sued. You better be careful. Don't say that. All right. You never know. You should probably read another disclaimer now. Yeah. I don't really know what I'm talking about. I just made this up. I don't actually have a background in law. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, some of the spots they have on podcasts, like the short spots, don't have that whole thing. Maybe, right. maybe public radio gets a buy. I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know why they they uh, they do that. And it's Maybe it, they like just the way you do it. They like hearing you say it. Maybe it's just me. I don't know. But you know, like all these warnings on everything, like of co- of course you can't leave a plastic bag by your infant. Like of course you can't do that. Well, now we know that. Well, <laughs> the people people used to line their kids' crib with dry dry cleaning bags. That used to be a thing people did. Are you serious? Oh yeah, of course. I mean, it's water water resistant. Yeah. And I go. By the way, that makes a perfect seal over a kid's face. Oh my F- god. F Y I. Yeah. You. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. I, I mean. I don't know. I don't know where the balance is, but. I still I'm haven't sure. let my kids, you know, touch anything made of plastic. They're almost eight. Because of the BPAs? Yep. Yep. Oh, my I'm wife is way. on, my wife is on some c- crazy, she had, she went out and got these things because she started really worrying about the BPAs. I, and so we, we got a bunch of the BPA free, like everything we have is BPA free, right? It has been like forever. And then she, still, apparently it's still not enough. That still, there's bad stuff in the plastic. So she found what looked like, they look like little canning jars like the jars you would use if you were like making your own you know fruit preserves or something but then they have a little top on them that has a hole in it and then you you put a metal it's a metal straw so my kids are walking around with glass like little mason jars with lids and metal straws on them like we're in the 20s or something (laughs) it's just the weirdest thing i mean i support it it's fine i'm i go along with whatever but I feel like everything in my house, like, but it's glass and these are children and they fall and immediately they spill and everything just spills out of it. I don't know. Yeah. The whole like drinking receptacle thing has been a funny ride in the last 10 years because it seems like every few years and I, you know, every few years there's a new panic and, and everybody, so everybody's like, okay, we're doing this one thing. And then you go, oh no, you have to save the environment and get some kind of reusable container. You don't have a Nalgene bottle? You have to get a Nalgene bottle. <laughs> so of course, everybody bought a goddamn Nalgene bottle. And like, yeah. I've got a Nalgene bottle. And then somebody goes, oh, you're using a Nalgene bottle? You know those have BPAs. Oh, you got to get rid of your Nalgene bottle. You got to get rid of it. Oh, that has phthalates. Did you know that has phthalates? And it's like, it just, it feels like it's, you know. What is be- the Nalgene bottle? Well, I just, okay, this is how out of it I am. I just learned about this yesterday no yes yeah i i mean i've seen water bottles before yeah i like of course but i was now that i'm doing this uh, physical wor- workout thing i was like I'm, i i guess i can't walk around with one of those little cone-shaped paper cups you know i need to get something that put the water in and so i went to a target and uh, all over the place is this nalgene 
bottle. And I asked a yeah. friend of mine, I'm like, what is this thing? And they're like, you don't, you don't know about an algae. I don't know anything Nalgene about bottles it. bottles got really big maybe 10 years ago. And like it became like, I think they came automatically with, with your yoga mat. Like every, suddenly everyone <laughs> had a Nalgene bottle and was always carrying water around. <laughs> like <laughs> they were just, everybody was always in some constant state of thirst and had an Nalgene bottle. And uh, now they've gone, they've, uh, but yeah, there was a whole dust up about that. I don't doubt that like, you know, the science is a thing, you know, we learn things and we improve. It's just, you know, not to be all John Syracuse here, but like there will sudden be, suddenly be these, these hysterias where, where people are suddenly incredibly manic about mm. something, whether that's vaccines or Nalgene bottles or, or whatever it is. Right. And like, it's, I don't know. It's like, does anybody ever go and like read one abstract from one paper before deciding that they need to go buy all this stuff. Mm. It just seems so strange. And it just seems like it's just, we're always moving from one of these panics to another. I'm, and I think it's largely because of things like over the air television. I mean, like you watch these TV shows and they've got to have something to make you feel panicky. So I don't know. I just, I so I look, I, look I don't at, want people to die. I don't want, right. I don't want people to eat things with lead in it. No, but like, yeah, but you know, which apparently Soylent has in it. Turns out. I, I heard that too. Yeah. I've never tried that. That's I don't like soy based things anyway because they're not. Yeah. But yeah, like I looked at the Nalgene bottles. I went to the website. I put the website into the into the show notes. They look just like a regular water bottle of any other kind. I don't. Is there is it a status thing? Like you like they're cool. It just looks like a water bottle with a lid that's attached with a little plastic strap yeah. onto it. And there's yeah. one that has pill a pill container built in. <laughs> that's handy yeah no I, I don't i don't feel qualified to opine it's just you know it's another one of those macrame things where suddenly it becomes very important that everyone has one mm-hmm. we got we got i'm looking at now at the at the the best cup we found for our kid for school so far thermos brand thermos has a 12 ounce it's called the funtainer 12 ounce funtainer bottle and it's only 12 ounces it's got a little straw dingus you pop the top up and there's a straw there you drink out of it. it's great for going to school she we got her the batman one and uh, she loves it and here's the thing you if you put ice it is it's made by thermos right so you put ice in this thing you put water in this thing we do that at 7:15 when i pick her up at 3 or 4 like there's still ice in it 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 really it holds uh it keeps things cold for uh, they say up to 12 hours and it's like 18 bucks so it's really good yeah they're really good i'm putting it in the show notes. and it's it's metal it's metal so it's probably safe. Look at that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. They got a sports one. They got a Mickey Mouse. Mm-hmm. They got a Barbie. Yeah, and the, the Avengers one costs a lot more. Because I guess they got a piece of licensing. <laughs> oh, they got a <laughs> uh, a Baymax one. <laughs> Thor requires more licensing <laughs> fees. <laughs> <laughs> oh no i see there's the avengers one yeah does it cost more yeah oh my gosh look at this one there's one here that's 29.95 this is really weird transformers is, is uh same price as batman for transformers you know they don't get a cut i don't think <sighs> anyway. the batman one is the is the go-to one i think it's handsome she really likes it that. a lot i would use the batman one duh yeah, you know, I, you know it's it's you know like when you give a little kid like a sippy cup or one of those weeble cups that can't fall over you know uh, it's a good idea to give your kid a water bottle that's pretty fault tolerant because mm-hmm. there will eventually the entire bottle will be dumped in the backpack because like you know they got a screw on the lid or something like that in the case of this when, as soon as you put the top on it's you know capped off yeah wow this is really good stuff um tell me about your uh tell me about your journey of discovery uh the recent f- physical my, mental well-being one yeah i want to hear about your condition all right well 
I uh, I think it probably is at the very core a genetic predisposition at the very least to having um, maybe maybe bad posture or just not having the the most well developed set of, of of core muscles, and I think that was compounded by a career in computers where I spent a lot of time sitting and a lot of time while I was sitting slouching and a lot of the time while I was slouching typing and holding a mouse. So it's this, you can imagine this sort of progressive, uh, this progressive state that I think is unfortunately still very common, even with what we know about moving around and standing and all this other stuff. I just spent so many years of my life sitting the wrong way in front of a computer and typing. And over the years, what this led to was a eventually like lower back issues that at various times have been either not a problem or so much of a problem that I would wind up in bed for a few days and in excruciating pain for a few weeks at a time. I've never, I'm, 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 I guess you could say that I'm lucky in the sense that these issues are not these serious surgery type issues like, you know, slip discs or the discs where that collapses or any of that kind of stuff. It's all um, muscle related. Now this, if it's, if you let this go, I guess long enough, it can lead to those kinds of problems because uh, your, your back is not being properly supported. And that's one of the ways that people will develop those problems is my understanding. But it, I don't have those issues. It's all sort of muscle related and it's muscle weakness. But what happens is that as one muscle in your body kind of gets either overworked or fatigued or used improperly, the other muscles will then kind of uh, kick in in order to support that muscle. And then they themselves will become overworked and fatigued. Because they're, they're not, they're, they're doing, they're, they're trying to pitch in but they weren't designed for that purpose. Exactly. You're kind of like using the wrong tool for the job. Exactly. Perfectly so now you, get, now you got at least two problems to start. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yes. That's precisely right. And then at, this just has this cascading effect. And people think of their core muscles as like, well, those are my abs. Well, yes, they are your abs, but they're also your you know higher muscles. They're the muscles in your back. They actually extend into your hip and your, your pelvis, your butt, your thighs, like the quads, everything it, that's all your core muscles. And what can happen, and this is where I, my understanding of it kind of goes south a little bit, but there's also these issues of like muscle memory where muscles will become fatigued repeatedly in the same way. And, and there's this sort of, you have to get your body out of this, this routine or this rut that it kind of creates for itself. This, and then there's a cycle of pain and then there's anticipation of pain and all of this other stuff. That creates a very problem. For me, I, I think it really got bad or when I first really started to get to a point where I'm like, this is actually a problem was a number of years ago. Gosh, it might have been. It might have been at least five years ago, maybe. You know what? Gosh, I'll say it's about seven years ago. I was carrying, you know, like an idiot carrying these really heavy boxes from my car across the parking lot into a UPS store to ship them somewhere. I don't remember what they were. I don't remember why. And the guy in front of me didn't bother to hold a door for me, like let it slam right in front of me. And I remember 
doing some kind of motion where I was opening the door while holding the heavy boxes and all just dumb. Like, why didn't I pull the car up? Why didn't I load them out? Why didn't I borrow a hand truck? You know, all of these stupid things that in hindsight are obvious and definitely you should do it. But uh, I felt like a really bad like muscle pull happen. And ever since then, I kind of put myself in this other category of like, I have a problem. <laughs> And there have been times where it's not like I'm doing something physical that requires a lot of, you know, it's not like I'm, well, I'll just carry this TV across the room. I'm not doing these feats of strength that then later result in a problem for my back. It's it's simply like, you know what? Well, I switched to a standing desk and this week I decided to sit for a half an hour more each day. And then on Friday for for that reason and that reason alone, just an extra 30 minutes of sitting a day. I'm now going to be in excruciating pain and I'm going to be in bed all weekend long and I'm going to be popping Advil and I'm going to be doing weird stretches and none of it's going to work. So I finally just got to the point where I where I should have been years ago and I said, I just, I need to do something and what I need to do, it's not enough to do these really good back stretches and other things that this uh, rehab lady had given me a while ago. I need to actually do more. And as I researched it and talked about it with people, I learned that what you actually need to do is is rehab plus like a physical training kind of a regimen because you need to shock your body kind of out of this cycle that it's in and teach it new hmm. ways and teach it that resistance, muscle resistance is not only okay, but actually good. And you build the muscles and if you do it the right way, uh, then then you can not only recover, but you can be better you know, than you ever were and make it so that you just won't have these problems again. They go away. Uh, again, if you're not, have like a compromised disc or something like that. But even in those cases, you can get significantly, tremendously better. So I found a, a woman who she's, um, she's a, an, an RN, but she also has tremendous background in physical training. And she herself has like had a number of issues that she's worked through. So she's familiar with the pain cycle, all this stuff. So I've been doing this. That's the long version of the story. Uh, but I've been doing this now for not that long of a time, but it's different for me because the only times in the past whenever I've like exercised or gone to a gym uh, or had a personal trainer or whatever, it's it's always been I want to lose some weight or I want to, you know, get in better shape for some reason or, you know, whatever these these sort of reasons we have of I want to look better. I want to feel better. I, you know, I, I feel like I should now it's like. I don't want to be in excruciating pain and, you know, like completely screwed up and miss work and, and not be able to be with my children and my family and maybe later develop horrible back problems. Like it's it's one of those things we've talked about before. Of It's like it is a health thing and it's not it's not a negotiable thing. It's not like, well, I don't feel like doing it. That's out the window. I have to do it. Um, so that's that's kind of the thing that I've been doing. And it's completely screwed up. My schedule, I'm driving around, going to places I don't you know, necessarily want to go to at times that are not convenient, and I don't have a choice about it. And maybe I would have had a choice if I'd done the right thing 10 or 15 years ago, but I don't anymore. And that's had this huge impact on like my family and me and everything else. Wow, I didn't realize all of this. Yeah, but like I don't, I don't have a choice about it. You know, It's like if, if, if you broke your leg and they said, well, we've got to put a cast on this or you'll never walk right again and you'll be in pain all the time, you'd be like, huh. Boy, I don't really want to wear a cast, but I guess I'm going to have my leg in a cast. It's like that. It's if I don't do this, the problems will progress and get worse, and and uh, and it'll just get harder and harder. But I can completely fix it, also. So I'm lucky in that way. But yeah, and so as a side effect of of this, I've noticed also 
that uh, that I physically just in general like feel a whole lot better from doing exercises and things that I don't really necessarily want to be doing and wouldn't normally have been doing. But if I hadn't been pushed to this point, I don't think I would ever have have done it. And mm-hmm. now I am doing it, but I'm seeing all these other kind of interesting benefits, like a sleeping better and all this other stuff uh, that it would have been damn near impossible to motivate myself to do if even with the benefits, if I didn't know that I had to. Yeah. And it's almost like you wouldn't have done it long enough, seriously enough, um, you know, with such uh, absorption, unless it had kind of become a thing. Yeah. That, that, you know, it's sort of like, you know, if you find out like, Oh, the doctor says, you know what, uh, you have this, this chest pain. And the doctor says, well, yeah, you know what, you just had a minor heart attack. Right. And now you need to make some changes or the next one's not going to be so easy to deal with. Well, now you got to make that a thing. Like, you know what I mean? Like, or if you, like you described with, you know, a broken leg, with a broken leg, you're going to need to move some things around. You're right. going to have to change the house a little bit. You're going to have to, you know, make changes to your schedule because you kind of have to, because it's now a thing. I think there's a distinction between like, meh, and oh, oh, this is a thing. Yeah. And if in you, I don't know if that, that sounds like a, maybe a non-distinction, but I think it's a difference. Cause if you go like, you know, what's another example? Um, you know, oh, my pants don't fit. Uh, I should probably eat less. Right. But that, you haven't really made it a thing. Like you haven't, there's something there. I don't know exactly what it is. And I, I don't mean to change the subject, but I think it's a really big difference when you realize that this is a thing and it's more than just like a good idea. It's more than just like something I ought to do. It's something where you go like, I, it's going to take, I have to be popped out of my day-to-day existence and perhaps heavily inconvenienced in order to really accept how much this is a thing. Like for me, that could be something like jury duty. Oh. Like jury duty is a thing. Yeah. Just like you don't get to like go, I just, I just feel like leaving now. Like it's that you're there for that week or whatever. Right. Um, and so it sounds like this has been inconvenient and it has been difficult, but you are seeing benefits from it because now it's a thing. Yeah, and I think your identification of it as a thing is the is totally spot on, and it's so different. And I never had a thing I had to do really until this, or until I was you know got more serious. Even just doing, and I think I've talked about it here, but just doing this sort of stretches and daily sort of you know push up kind of crunch stretch yoga pose type stuff that I've been doing, which has been such a tremendous improvement to get to that point that like now, if I, you know, if I need to pick my child up, I can do that. Whereas before, like I couldn't even do that without potentially now I've got to be hurt for three days. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and you wonder like, how does it get to that point? But sometimes it just kind of sneaks up on you and, you know, taking, taking an active role in your own physical well being and not for the point of vanity, not for the point of, I would like to fit in smaller jeans or whatever, but just simply like, I, I have to do this thing. You know, I remember after my, my grandfather who had smoked for 55 years, uh, eventually had to start, you know, like he, he had oh, open heart surgery and he eventually had to start like walking on a treadmill, you know? So they like, like he had never exercised in his life. You know, and he mm-hmm. like had to start using a treadmill. And of course he didn't want to, but it wasn't an option. If he didn't, it would be dire. And I remember that at the time. And I remember kind of thinking to myself, well, yeah, I guess you should have been exercising all along. I mean, I didn't say that to him, but like, that's what you think in your mind. Like how <laughs> when you're young, it's, it's easy to make announcements like that about those weak old people. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> you can take care of yourself. Right. Glug, glug, glug. Right, right, right. Uh, but how that it, the impact that it has on your schedule and your life on all these other different things, it's like, no, you know, I don't, I don't really want to like wake up and take my kid to school and then find a way to after that, then go for an hour of this intense, crazy workout and then like have to go and like shower and dress in a place that's not the convenience of your own home because that's what you need to do because you need to get to work and you know, the driving and all of this other nonsense. But like, I don't have a choice. I don't have a choice. I can't not do it. And it makes me appreciate the other aspects of my life where I do actually like have a choice. I, I do have the ability to say, well, you know, I, I'll set a meeting at this time instead of this one, or we'll record a show at this time because there's so much of the rest of my life that has kind of become overwhelmingly regimented and scheduled in a way that I have no input on at all. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But the, the, phys- the other benefits of it are tremendous. Like I, if if I but they still if I didn't have to do it I know I wouldn't do it. Like, yeah, you know, you, you, there's there's something in your voice or in your the way you're presenting this that you sound like you are or were conflicted about this becoming a thing. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know if that's you or maybe it's your family feeling extra stressed from having to do more. But it sounds like you're still trying to kind of sell this. I mean, that you've sold me. You you need to get this done. But is there still some part of you that feels like, do I really need to do this? You no, know, I know I need to do it, but I'm still just kind of in that state of like, I really don't like this schedule the way that it is because my natural path is going to be the path of you know, the middle way, the least resistance, the least, you know, like I want to do the thing that's going to create the least amount of stress, the least amount of rushing, the least, you know, I like, I like things to just, you know, it's not necessarily the lazy approach, but the approach that requires the least amount of, of effort uh, is often, I'm not saying like in, in work, but in just the day, you know, if I can schedule my day so that I don't have to rush to get anywhere, Mm-hmm. I can take my time to get somewhere. If I have that, I, I will always pick that. You know, if we can push the meeting out to the day where I record the fewest number of shows, I will push the meeting out to the day where I record the fewest number of shows or or whatever. And and because so much of my life was just always rushing around and you always read about how like how bad that is for you and how you're, you know, you're, the, the amount of stress that you get from from rushing is, you know, there's the, I, we talked about the hurry, curry and worry thing, right? Hurry, curry, worry. We didn't talk about that? No. Hurry, curry, and worry. Okay, so back when I, uh, a long time ago, when I had um, uh, gastroesophageal reflux disease, what we would call heartburn, persistent heartburn, this is like 10 years ago, um, and this is what kind of led me to start the whole Buddhist meditation practice, uh, but I went to a doctor, and he, I guess he was from uh, India, and he said, he said, oh, in, in my country, we have a, a little saying about the causes of this. Because I remember I was asking, like, what, what, what's making this happen? Why do I have this? And he said, well, we have a saying, hurry, curry, and worry can cause this kind of problem. But, you know, that, that's what kind of led me down that whole path of learning about the mind-body connection and about meditation and getting on that. And, I mean, I had two different doctors that I went to see tell me, you will be on... I don't even remember the name of the the medicine. What's the little purple pill? The little purple pill. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. You, the um, Prilosec? No, Prilosec. Pri- um. Yeah, I think that's it. Prilosec OTC or Prilosec. Yeah. They're like, you will be on this now for the rest of your life. And I said, I, I don't like that. I don't think I want to be on that. They're like, 
well, I'm not saying this to be pessimistic, Dan, but realistically, people don't ever get off of this. They, this is something they may change to a different medicine later in life, but you're, you're going to be on this now because you have this problem and, and like people who have these problems don't get better. Like they are on this now forever. And I said, well, I'm going to be one of the people that, that gets better. And he's kind of like, all right, good, good for you. You know, like and two different doctors, same attitude. And, and they're like, this is my practice. I see people with this problem all day, all the time. Uh, but I hope you, I hope you can do it. And I did. I mean, obviously I did, but it, you know, it's very discouraging when you're, you're up against that, but you know, hurry, curry and worry was, he said, the causes of, of that. Hmm. So like I learned after that as part of my goal was to try to, you know, eliminate that rushing and that stress and that time crunch. And, you know, and I, I just, it's so hard to do it. And now like I have this curveball thrown in here, like, great. Now I need to find a way to go to training two times a week, you know, or three times a week. So I'm still trying to sell myself on being okay with that. So yeah, you're right. Right, right. You think that rhymes in Hindi? I think it does. Yeah, I'm pretty sure okay. it does. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, we should probably talk about something that you like. I will tell you about Just Works. If you want to grow your business and not your busy work, use <laughs> Just Works. They take care of benefits they take care of payroll and they basically become your hr department and you are not really going to understand how amazing they are until you need them and they're and and that's the funny part is you realize one day wow i guess my employees need insurance do they need a 401k you know how do i ta- calculate their their taxes and all of this stuff that direct deposit reporting you know one off payments all of this stuff, they have made it so easy because it is really, really hard. This is the most tedious, time-consuming part of your job, I guarantee you, if you have to do this on your own. They have come up with a wonderful online system. It's at justworks.com, and they actually made a special URL for listeners of this show, justworks.com slash work. and the code to use is back to work. spelled nice. out one word, 15% off your first year. When you sign up and this is the the best part, it takes less time to sign up than it does to make a cup of coffee. The average sign up time is like three minutes and you can go and see what they do. You don't need to be overwhelmed by this stuff. You don't need to worry about all of this nonsense of compliance and unemployment insurance. All of it's just gone. Go check them out. Justworks.com slash back to work code back to work for 15% off your first year. Thanks very much to them for making this show possible. Um, there's a concept I first learned about in D and D that I don't <laughs> think I don't think it was I don't know if it was invented for D and D, but it's something that goes back a long way in any kind of you know role playing games, you know, and you know what I'm talking about hit points, uh huh, right? Yep. And so if memory serves, based upon you know your character's various attributes, what class you are, what uh, class that's right, isn't it? Like you know, are you a, are you a fighter or right. an magic user or whatever? <clears throat> but also based on you know, are you a human? Are you a whatever? You have a certain number of hit points. And I think this is such an interesting idea because it makes a game much more interesting. It isn't just that you're alive or dead. It's that you can be <laughs> somewhere in between. And so like, I, you know, in, in a somewhat similar funny way, young people, I think, tend to think about, well, you're either alive or you're dead. Well, but there's actually all kinds of ways that you can just have reduced hit points for a while. And so the hit points are basically a number of points where 
given the kind of damage that's done to you by like a monster or a weapon or a falling rock or whatever, mm-hmm. your ability to survive that um, that injury is in part defined by how many hit points you have. So if somebody hits you with a, I don't know the exact numbers, I haven't thought about this in years, but if somebody hits you with a sword, like you might lose 10 or 20 hit points, which is a big deal if you only have 40 hit points. So I don't know. I'm very interested in this idea. Like I, I and I guess this carries on in video games. I, I think the hearts that my daughter has on screen in Minecraft probably have something to do with health. But um, but I, I you know, I mean, that's a really overly simplistic idea. But I think it's very interesting for this reason, which is there's a time in your life where you don't have to think as much about hit points. And I'm not, it's not just when you're young. It's when you're young enough to just be basically healthy by doing what you do, because you have resilience. You know, one way to gain your hit points back is to not get hit with a sword for a while. So go sit in the cave, you know, eat some of your, eat some of your, uh, your, your, uh, your gold pieces in your high hard boots and hang out for a while. And, uh, and eventually you can gain back some of those hit points. I think that the interesting thing is like, it's almost an early version of becoming aware of your mortality is when you also become aware that you only have so many hit points. And again, this goes, kind of goes back to Roderick in his campaign, right? And the whole idea that like, he never had enough time to regain his emotional hit points at the end of the day. He, you know, he would have the kind of three or four events in a day that are kind of thing that would like make me just want to go lay down and go to sleep mm-hmm. doing one of them. And he would have to do three of those every day or more. So I think that's an interesting way to look at it is like when you have, uh, and I, not to keep making, making it about this, but like the whole like, let's make this a thing sort of thing. Like if you, if you got to keep wandering through adulthood, like feeling mostly not that well, um, there are a lot of ways that you can ignore that uneasy feeling or that you can paper over it, you know, you can get bigger, bigger pants and bigger energy drinks to try and cover up the fact that you're not eating or exercising and you're not sleeping very well. And so there's, there's a time where you, and if you're having a really busy time, there's ways that you can kind of, you know, kind of psych your body out for a while. But the thing is over time, you realize that you're not, those hit points are not coming back. In your case, that sort of applies to things like having core muscles. Right. Even knowing what a core muscle is, we all toss that around. Like, oh, I got a yoga ball, I work on my core muscles. Well, you name five of your core muscles. Well, no, it's here in my core. Well, okay. But like once you make that a thing and you go to a place in your car, like now that's a thing. That, that's something where you're going to have to take that very seriously. And I bet you are now... I'm guessing, even as the aware person you are, you're probably more aware now than you were three weeks ago of exactly how you're doing today. Oh gosh, yes. It's not just a, it's not just it's almost like when you're healing in the hospital, you're saying like, is it less bad? Are you getting better? Like you have to really think about like which which smiley face indicates like how much pain you have. Like, are you really? Is it one to ten? Like, how do you feel? You must be a little bit more in touch with that now than you were even like a month ago. Oh, totally, totally, totally. You're very. You have to be, and you know it's funny because. Uh, the, the woman who's, you know, basically my, my trainer, she will periodically, you know, send me a text message. And like, I actually got one while we were doing the show and she's, her thing is like tight abs all day because that's part of the way that you do it. you like have to like focus on your core muscles and like flex them basically all the time to put yourself in the right posture to hold it. And, and it's funny because I was talking to her and I was saying, it wasn't that uh, how Houdini died. Didn't, didn't, you know, wasn't he supposed to be flexing and like, he said anyone could come up and punch him and he could take any story goes that he hadn't gotten tensed up yet. Right. He wasn't ready. And the guy punched him before he was ready or something like that. So, you know, she's like, well, you got to always be ready then. So that's basically, but yeah, I mean, being aware of that and that, that level of awareness of, of your physical posture, your body, whatever it is that you're doing 
like, how could we not be aware of that? You would say, like, how could you not be? It's your own body. But like, what position were you just in just now? Was it the right one? Was it comfortable? Have you been sitting mm-hmm. for too long? And, you know, we have watches that will tell us when to stand up because we're so out of touch and disconnected with what we've been doing for for the last 59 minutes that we've forgotten to stand up and physically move. And if you were to tell someone, you know, a few hundred years ago, like, don't forget to walk around a little bit. Of course, I'm walking around all the time, you know, or somebody who spends their life in, in the fields, you know, that they're in constant motion and we've lost so much touch with that. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I, I, um, injured my arm <clears throat> when we were out of town. I, um, uh, it's a long story, but basically I, I, I hurt my shoulder mm. and I guess I didn't realize how much I'd hurt it because I didn't really notice it until I would be in bed at night and like I turn over and I would, I, one of my positions I sleep in, I tend to lay in this way. Like if I lay on my stomach, I'll have my left arm up and kind of put my head on my arm. Yes. And it, it would cause me enough pain that it would kind of, I don't say wake me up, but make me aware like, ow, like that really hurt. And each time I did it, I'd go, ow, that Ugh. really hurt. Ugh. And no, that's whatever. But, 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 here's but the it wakes you up, it. messes up your sleep, everything. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying a different pillow. Pretty excited about my new pillow. But, um, I, uh, but something I realized in the last week or so is that as that, as I've been getting that couple, three, five times a night over the past month or so, I started to realize that I was anticipating the pain that even as I was turning over and I guess I must turn over and move in a certain kind of like clockwise pattern because my brain knew that I was about to move into the position that makes me go out. Mm. And it started feeling like it was hurting more. Um, and I then, in time, I came to be aware that, well, I'll cut to the chase. I think I was anticipating the pain and tensing up and making it worse. Yes. And what I realized was that if I just, turn, first of all, stop doing that, that's dumb, you're going to hurt yourself. But when I did do it, I realized now that it's it was the tensing up and anticipating the pain that was making it worse, much worse than what was actually there. Um, but like, I, I can't even imagine what's going on, what kind of chemistry and and plumbing is allowing my brain to process all of that stuff and then just have all the muscles and the ligaments and the whatever do all of their thing in this certain way. Like, that's it's such a simple example, but like, think about how much weird brain activity is involved in that loop, Seriously. all the way from that hurts to I'm compensating for that to like I'm now aware of that. It like involves like three different broken, stupid people to like go through that process. But um, so yeah, it hurts a little less now because I'm not tensing up. I should probably get it looked at. No, you. I mean, you. Yeah, you should. But I totally know what you're talking about, and. That's something that was very new to me with the back issues was like the waking up at night when you move a certain way or when your brain anticipates that you're going to move a certain way. And when you have an issue like this, and I don't know how much your shoulder is affecting you like during the day, but if I said, hey, you know, like grab your kid's backpack and fling it up over your shoulder, you might be like, well, I know now that if I do that, it's it's going to hurt. So I'll either do it with my other arm or I will do it very carefully and what they were explaining to me is like, you might actually feel the pain in, in your mind before you actually go to do the thing. And that that can further this, this loop, this process that you're in. And it's all just very, you know, very frustrating. And in some cases, like you need help from somebody who knows what they're doing to kind of get out of that. It doesn't sound like you do, but (laughs) what, uh, so like, what are you going to do for it? Like, are you probably nothing? No, probably nothing. 
Just keep taking like, you know, 16 ibuprofen at a time. Well, no. No, no I'm no. kidding. I'm kidding. Because it's the liver damage thing. Oh, yeah. Well, that's that's probably a foregone conclusion. But um, uh, I don't know what I'll do about it. I don't know what I'll do about it. But I'm, I'm interested in these things because, you know, I think there's this this thing at the at the core of a lot of what we're talking about is like, uh, you know, I think you can't really overestimate how much we don't like being inconvenienced. Mm. And and just being aware of how something is even slightly different from what we want or expect becomes its own kind of inconvenience. It becomes a meta inconvenience. So like you even have to think about like like the jury duty thing is a thing. I'm I've got jury duty being called to jury duty in a week or two, and it's like I'm already like oh like it it it's like I mean I've done jury duty like you know remember remember a couple of years ago yeah, where yeah. I was like there for like five days yeah it's like you know first of all like if I if I it's not that I want to get out of it because I want to do it I just don't want to spend five days at it. Because I can't do, I can't record five podcasts. There's five podcasts I won't be able to record. Yeah. Plus, I, it's, it's officially my job to pick up my kid in the afternoon. That's officially my job, five days a week. So what do we do? Like, you know, <laughs> and I, you know, I want to be part of the process, but like, and then I'm already thinking like, oh God, I'm, I'm still going to, no matter what, I'll have to go there. Because you can't, what am I going to say? Like, I record podcasts, what's a podcast? Okay, uh, uh, you know, but like, just, I, I, you can hear me groaning, just even like thinking about that. And it's like, it's just, you know, it's so, it's, it seems so dumb. It makes you realize how pampered we are, but it's, it's such a pain in the butt to do. And like, even just, just sitting here thinking about it, it makes me uncomfortable having to think about it because I ha- I'll have to change so many things around. And it's the kind of changing around where it isn't like, you're going to go like, oh, you know, I'm going to be on vacation for two weeks. So I know to cancel all these things. I don't even know what all I have to cancel. And it pushes all this stuff around and messes things up. And sponsors are already expecting things you know, like five, five to 15 sponsors mm-hmm. are expecting things to run on a certain day. I got to deal with all of that. And it's like, I don't know. I, but I think inconvenience is a, we like to, th- we, we would like to think that because we are strong and able adults, it, it is only things like pain and threat, true pain and threat of death that actually cause us problems. And I don't think that's the case at all. I think the, 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 even the idea of inconvenience, the idea of anxiety and the idea of pain can be extremely powerful. Wow. Yes. I, at least for me. No, absolutely. I think the, you know, there's this, again, back to our, our Buddhist roots. Alligator in the bathroom. Yes. We, that was a good one. We have this concept that things are either good or bad or neutral. And we kind of generally, as, as, as humans, generally tend to lump things into those three categories. And very often, <laughs> neutral is also bad. Because it's not good. I, I would take it a step further. I, I like good, bad, and neutral. I would take it even further, which is I want this to happen. I don't want this to happen, huh. or I don't care if this happens. <laughs> That's what it really means. Yeah, it really does. And we have this kind of condition that we want permanent, ongoing happiness or bliss all the time, and anything that it that isn't. And so people will often say, "Well, you don't. You're not really happy with the present. You're not happy with the way things are right now. So you you kind of." spend your time either thinking about the past and these things that happened and how bad they were, or you dread the future or stress about the future or look forward to some potential future that you strive to make happen. And all of these things take us away from that, that, you know, the present moment, because the present moment usually is full of stuff that we don't really like. And we, we start throwing it and lumping it. This was good because we had fun. And this was bad because it was hot. And this was neutral because I was bored. And bored is actually bad, so it was bad. And getting getting to that kind of feeling of, you know, what's going on right now 
that there will be elements of things that are good or bad, but that labeling them is actually part of that problem. And I think, I feel like that's kind of what you were touching on a minute ago is that labeling of something that's going on as this is bad or this will be bad. And then that, that natural tendency that we have to try and avoid that thing that, that could be bad or will be bad. And so we have developed all of these usually very ineffective and usually uh, unskillful kind of habits or movements that we take to try and avoid the thing that we feel is bad. And obviously like, I know that if I pick up that heavy thing that that's going to hurt and your brain will actually take it a step further and you'll feel the pain before you even pick the thing up. You know, it's the same thing with, with the, you feeling the pain of the jury duty and all of these other repercussions of it. And so of course you want to avoid that. Like, how can you avoid that? I don't know. Like, this is something that that's a problem for everybody, I think. And I don't blame you though, that, you know, you're very, you're like a very conscious of your role in society. I think more so than most what? people, certainly Where more than me. Where do you get that me. from? Because you're always, you're, I don't know if it's because you're in San oh, Francisco. Oh, because like keep moving and get out of the way? No, 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 no. I mean it like you're very aware and in touch with like your role in the community. I don't hmm. know if this is because you're in San Francisco. I don't know if it's because it's just who you are as a person, but you really do have, I think you're very aware of your social responsibility. Whereas I think most people's reaction to a jury duty isn't, I want to help and be part of the process. It's like, screw that. I don't want to go there, you know? And I think it says a lot that you, you want to do it and you sound conflicted about it, you know, like you want to do it, but you really don't want to do it because of these, these, I think reasonable and, and unique problems that it will cause. And I almost feel like, you know, jury duty for somebody who's got like a nine to five, uh, who who can be like, hey, boss, and, and call who'll me. Be, who'll be paid for it. <laughs> right. And who won't lose money and and also lose money for all of the other people involved. I think they could grandfather you out of that. You know what I mean? If they, yeah, if but they I mean, understood. like, you know, it's, I'm not actually, thank you for saying that. I'm not actually that keyed into the community. It's more like, well, if that were me up there, I would want want people who weren't simply the people that aren't smart enough to get out of jury duty. Right. You know, right. Um, See, but I would wanna... want someone like you. I want someone like you on my jury if I ever need one. You know what I mean? Oh, thanks. No, oh, I mean well, it. I mean it. I'll find in your favor. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you right <laughs> that, now. That's the only reason, yeah. I was saying yeah. That. Yeah, absolutely. No, you're good. Tell me about something you like. I'll tell you about Smile. You know, these uh, wonderful folks over at Smile, they make something called Text Expander, and they're now up to Text Expander version 5. And basically what it does is it, it helps you type faster. If you wonder, if you wake up in the morning and you're like, what's this Text Expander thing all about? What does version 5 do? Version 5 helps you type faster, and it does that by making suggestions of frequently typed phrases to abbreviate and save time. So here's an example. Let's say you're writing an email, and you type your phone number. Text Expander 5, it's sort of watching, not in a creepy way, but it's just sort of watching. Like, oh, you just typed something. Looked like a phone number. Making a note. The next time that you type it, it will say, you know what? Let's make an abbreviation. I've seen you type this now a few times. Why don't you try semicolon ph? I'll make that your phone number. So the next time you want to go and type your phone number, don't type 512 dash, just type semicolon PH done. Now I will put your phone number in, but it does that across the board. It's always looking at this and it reminds you of these missed opportunities to use these abbreviations while you are typing. You can set a hotkey for inline search. So that all you need is like a fragment of your snippet 
to find and expand it like instantaneously. You can do these cool fill in snippets so that like, if you have a repetitive reply, like you're replying to somebody doing a help desk thing, or, or you just have someone, people who ask the same question, you can have a whole like fill in thing where you can put in their name and it'll put their name into the reply. And it'll say like all of these amazing little time saver things. And text expander five has support for JavaScript. So this also works in text expander touch for the iPad and the iPhone so many really great things, Merlin. I know you're a big fan of the uh, of the small folks on Text Expander. Um, it's it's um, it should never go without saying that if I sit down at a computer, let's put it this way: if for some reason Text Expander is not working, I will know within a minute or so because I use it for so many different things. You know, the thing is, if I only used it for five snippets, it would still be worth the price. The fact that I use it for I think probably a couple hundred is uh, is a testament to how how you know, how many different ways that it can be used, but I use it, I use it for just so many things that are more than just the kind of things that, uh, abbreviations do on the phone. The, the abbreviations functionality on iOS is great, but it, it will only do like one line of text. It does not have variables. Um, and so to be able to do that inside my text files is just giant for me. Huge. So go check these folks out. They have a, uh, a special URL, smilesoftware.com slash B two. W smallsoftware.com slash B2W. It supports the show and uh, you go there and check out their awesome videos and learn more about uh, text expander and the other stuff that they do. Thanks very much to smile for making the show possible. Bok, bok. I just did one just a second ago. What'd you do? Bok, um, bok. Bok, bok. A line in my text file. Um, if I type uh, DDO space, mm-hmm. it turns that into at, at done which is a task paper symbol for a done ca- task, and it crosses it out on the line. Oh, wow. So I just crossed out sleeping with my sore arm. Done. <laughs> <laughs> ice right, it, let, man. Ice let, it. Let's, uh, let's, uh, let's, I'll ice it. I'll ice it. Let's, uh, let's lighten this up a little bit. we got some other stuff to talk about. Um, before I forget, uh, and I always usually forget, always, usually, um, this Thursday at 7.30 p.m., Two Cats Comics, it's the, I believe, 10th ungainly X-Men meetup here in San Francisco. Uh, I put it in show notes. It's uh, Two Cats Comics in West Portal, and from 7.30 to 9, you can come and hang out. To answer the question that many people ask, you do not have to be into comics to come, come to this. There's no test. You will not be quizzed. It's mainly just a bunch of nice people sitting around talking. And then we go and have a drink. And it's really cool. And uh, we're trying to do it on a more slightly more frequent schedule. But uh, like I said, it's in show notes. Uh, come out to Two Cats. They're really great. And you know what? Liz. Liz is retiring. Liz is leaving Two Cats to go and, uh, and get another job in town. And she will be missed by, by many of us. She's very, very helpful. And uh, she will never hear this. But if you know Liz, uh, tell her hi. <laughs> I hate to see people leave the stores I like. Yeah. She's moving on. She's going to teach uh, teach uh, audio uh, production. Really? Yeah. So, I mean, she's still doing God's work. <laughs> yes. She's good, though. Yeah. She turned me on to, uh, what's it called, Namora? What's the name? The woman who does uh, Lumberjanes. Noelle Stevenson, is that her name? You ever seen that? Uh, I think it's called Namora. Oh, you know what? I do know what you're Nimona, talking Nimona. about. Nimona. Yeah, it's a webcomic she did. That sounds familiar to me. Yeah. Anyway, look that up. Thanks, Put Liz. That in the show notes. Thanks, Liz. Yeah. Thanks, Liz. Bok, bok. <laughs> uh, we got some other little things. You got anything you want to promote to the nice people? Uh, well, I mean, uh, no. I, I want to say. Oh, we're doing. Uh, we're doing a special show. Uh, about Mr. Robot. Oh um, yeah, cool. It's a show in two parts. Part one is a primer, which walks people through things to think about and 
uh, and and notice while watching the show without giving anything away or spoiling anything. Hmm. Uh, so that it, it's it's a whole bunch of fun things that you can do while you're watching. Uh, not not really clues as much as just here's the spirit of the show and, and a couple things you might want to think about as you watch. No spoilers at all. And then part two <laughs> is the uh, no, really we won't spoil anything. And part two is the kind of post show wrap up where we talk about uh, wow, what a great season. Here's things that were really cool and maybe you noticed this and maybe you didn't. And so we're going to be working on those this week because this is the the finale of of the Mr. Robot uh, show. Uh, I'm sad. I'm sad. I'm very sad about that. I wish it would go mm. keep going forever. Yeah. What about yep. you? Yep. I'll be there. Nice. Um, still enjoying it. Um, but, but, but that's really all I had to promote. Mm. Um, let's see. Oh, I, you know, Reconcilable Differences is coming out this week. The one, two, third to the last episode? Second to the last? No, it's episode eight. So, yeah, so that'll be fun. We got three more. They're all recorded, all done. Um, but um, and you record these in the past. We record them. Uh, we recorded most of them in January. Really? <laughs> no, no, they're always like hey, we're working on it. We're working on it. But the um, yeah, this one's uh, one that people have been looking forward to because John talks to me about a video game. That's all I'm going to say about that. All right. And I, I left very confused, but it was it's a very interesting episode. Um. We've got uh, some interesting feedback from people. We talked about the antenna. Um, lots of people wrote to us about antennas. The other one we got a few emails about is apparently I stand corrected. Uh, you can continue to drive your car without the key in it. If it's one of those NFC types. Is it NFC? How does it work? Yeah, and the NFC I think is the right. So anyway, you give a recap here on what we talked about last time. So it's confusing. I was, uh, I was n- noticing that one of the ways, and I put some links into that episode, but one of the ways that uh, criminals have started to try and steal cars is they're using some kind of amplification device that amplifies the signal from your – it has to be the kind of key fob that will, will allow you to keep it in your pocket or purse as you get into the car, you don't have to insert it into the dashboard to start the car. The car knows that you have it on you in the car and you just hit the big start engine button and it will let you start your engine. Thieves were using this, some kind of amplifier to go through the parking lot, amplifying the signal that's coming from your key fob while it is in your pocket and purse while you're in a building and using that as a way to start and drive away with your car. And I was uh, saying maybe I'll make a little Faraday cage, but Long story short, we wondered what happens when they drive the car away, if it gets out of range or whatever. And the, the factor is that once the car is started and running, and a lot of people emailed us to, to confirm this so that I wouldn't have to test by throwing the key fob out of my car while I was driving it. That, <laughs> I'd, watch, I'd watch a video yeah, of that. I bet. But apparently you can actually do that. Your car will stay running but once you you stop the car, you won't be able to turn it back on, so that you can you can leave the car with the key with the car running and the key fob in your pocket, and you could go away from the car. You could drop it out of the window if you were that unfortunate, and the car would keep running. Um, you could have the battery in the key fob die. Yeah, that's the one I got. Was that just for safety reasons? If the battery in the key fob dies and you're on the highway, you wouldn't want the car to just stop. <laughs> right. But once it's stopped, then it won't start again without uh, a working key fob in, in it. I remember uh, on old cars, I want to say this worked on old American sedans in my recollection, but you could be driving along and just pull out the key while you're driving and it would keep running. You weren't supposed to be able to do that. 
<laughs> but you could you could do that. I think I remember that was American cars, like a Dodge. I feel like yeah, I feel like maybe old Fords or something like seventies Fords, eighties right, Fords. You could right. do that. I, not today. I, I can't imagine even doing that. Can I tell you something crazy I used to do? Yes. Okay. So late at night, I'd be out driving, and I would. This is my Honda Civic, and I would turn off the engine while I was driving in motion car you know, going 30, 40 down uh, the highway. And then with it just sort of coasting and you get that eerie silence, just, there's no motor. You're just flying down the highway. And then I would put the clutch in and put it into fourth or fifth gear, depending on the speed, ease the clutch out gently on the gas. Engine would start right back up. Keep driving. God, my heart. Oh, I'm so glad you're not my son. <laughs> Me too. I used to, we used to drive with the lights off for a while. We just driving down the road and shut off the lights. No, I can't believe the things that we did. So stupid. I was such a terrible, (laughs) it's the brain. The child's brain is not developed like the adults. It's a little bit like the jello pudding in the middle. It's like, uh, your brain's all goofy in the middle. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I I should find that article. I'm always quoting, but an article from uh, a few weeks or months ago about, you know, why teenagers do know better, but kind of, they do know better, but they, <laughs> what an odd statement. They know better than to do the things that they do, and they still do them because there's a terrible disconnect in their brain. Like their whatever their forebrain is developed enough that they know what the right thing to do is, but the, there's some decision making parts that like they still won't do it. They'll they'll still respond emotionally way before they ever get the chance to decide whether it was a good or bad idea. Mm. They're, they're just why, wired like that. Why was I doing that? Like it was so dumb. It's so dumb to feel alive, just to feel anything, just for a moment. Oh my god. Mm. Mm. Uh, you got anything else? No, I have nothing. Yeah. Not, I got nothing, nothing either. Bigger pants and bigger energy drinks. How are you? Want to button this up? Let's do it. Okay, I love you. Love you too, Merlin Man. <laughs> 